Okay, here we go. This is a domain query, and it's uh, specifically to address a question from reader and a friend of the blog, actually, John C911, and I did a podcast with him. He runs the uh, JJ podcast on SoundCloud itself, so if you're not subscribed to that, please make sure you jump over and uh, subscribe to his podcast when you have a chance. Uh, this is domain query, Christian libertunianism. Uh, this is in response to a question that John uh, asked in my to my Sunday scripture uh, post from uh, past Sunday, and it has to do with a passage from First uh, Samuel, first book of Samuel. Israel demands a king, and uh, I'll uh, probably read out uh, the relevant bits here. First um, Samuel, uh, the passage is First uh, Samuel chapter eight, verses one to eighteen. And we'll actually start uh, a little bit farther down. This is uh, where uh, Samuel issues some warnings against kings. <clears throat> so this is First Samuel chapter 8, uh, starting from verse 10. English Standard Version, so if you have a different version, your uh, what wording may differ somewhat. But anyway, so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots, to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to plough his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and your female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, and we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us, and go out before us and fight our battles. That is First uh, Samuel chapter 8, verses 10 to 20. Okay, now to John's question, and that's the, the, the verse that I, or the, the section that I quoted is highly relevant, obviously, to what we're going through right now, where people are giving up their rights, uh, giving them, giving them up like as, as if the people themselves were cheap whores, and giving up their rights to governments around the world. This is not unique to the West. The difference between the West and most other cultures is that the West has a, very clear ethos and history of negative rights, where uh, people give rights to the government, or rather, uh, the government uh, has certain things it cannot do to the people. So the government's rights are very clearly defined, and the people's rights are everything that the government doesn't have the ability to do. Uh, it's not something that is expressly granted to the government by the people. Now that is very quickly being reversed, that's uh, being stood on its head all around the world, where our rights are now a dispensation of government, which is ridiculous and absolutely unsustainable, and it will not last. Uh, and it will collapse, and we will all wonder, when it collapses, why the hell 
we ever gave these people those rights. But John's question is on a related, though not entirely specific note, um, or, or not entirely, uh, it's on a tangential note. So John's question is, is it possible for a Christian libertarian society to exist if they chose to put Jesus as their king, and could it last? Okay, uh, this is a good question, and it's worth asking, and it's an interesting question, because quite a few of us Christian brothers started out as libertarians, and it's uh, a very appealing philosophy to us as Christians, but the direct answer to that question is no, there can never be a Christian libertarian society, because Christian and libertarian are contradictions in terms. And that may sound weird, because quite a few of us, like I said, started out as libertarians. Vox Dei, our supreme, uh, our beloved and dreaded supreme dark lord Vox Dei, called himself a Christian libertarian for a long time. He was a Christian, or he is a Christian, and he was a libertarian. Why isn't he that anymore? Because, like most of us, he saw the problems with libertarian philosophy and saw that it was riven with contradictions and could not last. Now, why is this the case? Because uh, to be a Christian requires that we bend the knee and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. More generally, uh, it means that we worship God the Father of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And God is acknowledged as sovereign. He is king over us. It is his word that is law, and it is his uh, desire for us to depend upon him as his children. This is a good thing, this is a wonderful thing, that uh, God the Father wants to look after us and protect us while still giving us free will to make mistakes and to be foolish and to be stupid and to come back to him when we make mistakes and beg his forgiveness and ask for his help. This is a, a, a truly wonderful relationship. It's the only kind of relationship really that works between man and God. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. Um, so that is Christianity in a very, very dumbed-down nutshell, because there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, Christianity is about a fight, the fight against evil in God's name, in the name of all that is good. But then you look at libertarianism. Well, what is libertarianism? It's, it asserts that the individual is sovereign. Okay, it puts the primacy of decision-making and or the, the onus of decision-making upon the individual. The two are not compatible because libertarianism leaves no room for kings. Now, before I go down further down this road, let me anticipate a few criticisms. Let me answer them very firmly. I am probably better versed in the intricacies of theoretical libertarian thinking than about 90% of all the libertarians who will listen to this and take objection with what I'm saying. Um, many of them will say, well, you know, libertarianism isn't about having no government. Uh, libertarianism is about having some government. It's just that that government has to be of the people. It has to be voted for by the people and the people are sovereign over the government and the individual is sovereign over himself. Um, 
Okay, I'm well aware of that. I am well aware of the many different schools of crackpot libertarian thinking, such as uh, anarcho-capitalism, which basically says there's no government and everyone's free to randomly associate at will. Uh, minarchism, which says we want the minimal amount of government possible. And libertarianism in, in its standard form, which says that we just want to be left alone to do what we want, to, to live as we please. Okay, fine. But that doesn't change the fact that libertarianism, as it is defined, is not compatible with Christianity. It's not. Ultimately, libertarianism asserts the sovereignty of the individual. Christianity asserts the sovereignty of God. Now, I am not being a Calvinist when I say that God is sovereign. Calvinists assume, just as Muslims do, that God controls everything. That is not what it means to be sovereign, and it's very tiresome to have very foolish debates with people about what God does and does not control. God controls, as far as I can tell, what he chooses to control. God controls uh, what he says he will control. God is true. So God has claims over very specific areas, and in other areas, as Vox Dei pointed out in a number of different forums, uh, a number of different uh, places, God chooses to know what he wants to know. The one area where God claims complete authority is the human heart. God makes it very clear in the Bible that he knows all that is contained within the human heart. Okay, That is the Lord's realm. That is what he has staked out and if we defy him in this regard, we suffer. That's how it works. That's how it should work. That's how it must work. Okay. What does libertarianism contain as a philosophy? It simply says that each of us will be left to, to, to live as we see fit, uh, and that if we fail to do something, uh, then we pay the consequences of our own decisions. Uh, the government doesn't get to bail us out. The government doesn't get to tell us what to do. The government doesn't get to uh, sustain us. Okay? This is an appealing philosophy. It makes a lot of sense. To put things into a very, very precise examples. Let's say your house burns down and you didn't pay for fire insurance. Your house burns down and the local fire service comes along and realizes you haven't paid your fire insurance to the community government pool uh, you don't get to, you don't get the benefit of their assistance. You haven't paid for it. You pay the consequences of your own stupidity. Okay, that's fair. That's fine. That's good. The moment the the fire threatens other people's houses, uh, then you've got a bit of a problem. And now you understand where the contradiction lies between libertarianism and Christianity. The Christian philosophy says very clearly, help your neighbor when he's in distress, regardless of uh, thought of your own reward. The libertarian philosophy says, no, if he hasn't paid for your services, you don't owe him a damn thing. If you want to help him of your own free will, go ahead and help him. But it doesn't lay out any scheme of um, incentives to do so. Christianity does. So, can libertarianism work with Christianity? Can it, is it possible for a Christian society to be a libertarian society as well? Well, 
it would be nice if it, if that were possible. And it's only in the Christian West that libertarianism as a school has developed. But the thing to understand is that libertarianism is a consequence, not a cause, of good government. And I've said this before. I said it on John's podcast. Um, you cannot have a libertarian society without having a well-governed society first. The evidence that we have shows us very clearly that the only possible basis for a truly well-governed, sustainable society is one that acknowledges God as king and sovereign. Um, but even those always fall apart. Why? Because those societies are full of imperfect people who always consistently break from God's word. That's a theme that goes back in the Bible for about 5,000 years. I mean, all the way back uh, to, you know, before the time of Egypt, before the time of Israel's bondage in Egypt. Uh, the theme is consistent. God lays down, uh, God lays down a law and a rule, um, people break it and refuse to obey. Uh, God issues corrective action. People are chastised. They suffer terribly. God eases off and has pity upon his people. Uh, the people are suitably uh, repentant and they obey God's word. And then the cycle starts all over again. And I mean, I'm amazed at how tolerant the Lord is of all of this, because he could very easily just say, you know what, I'm going to wipe you all out again because you're being bloody idiots. Uh, I did it once, and I'm going to do it again. So, that being said, uh, the core of the argument is that Christianity and libertarianism are incompatible simply because, by definition, you cannot have one uh, with the other. You can have liber you can have Christians living in a libertarian society, but you can't have a libertarian Christian society. Uh, and as for how long it will last, the evidence tells us not very long. Because if you look at even the best governed Christian kingdoms, they're always, always self-destructed. If you look at the best governed Christian nations, they always self-destructed. Um, if you look at every nation in history that has acknowledged God as sovereign, eventually they always went the wrong way. Uh, there's an old joke about how God created two republics on earth. Uh, Switzerland, to show everyone how it could be done, and America as a warning to the rest of mankind. And that is pretty accurate. If you look at the original setup of America, it was pretty close to a libertarian ideal, right? Very limited government, very minimalist intrusion into the lives of ordinary people, certain rights reserved to government, and everything else reserved to the people. How long did that last? About, uh, about 80 years. That's it. That's all there was. Why? Because the inevitable pressures of dealing with different tribes and different cultures living under one uh, umbrella made it impossible to continue that experiment. The northern uh, states were one tribe of people, or one set of tribes, and those people industrialized very quickly. And those people had one particular interpretation of uh, God and of, therefore, the rights of government. 
the southerners were of a completely different mindset and a completely different tribe of people. Uh, if you look at the, the breakdown between northern and southern USA and their, their origins, the northerners were typically uh, English and Dutch Protestants who came over to settle the land. The southerners were typically much more Irish, Scottish, uh, and eventually sort of more Germanic uh, in, in origin. And they were a very, very different group of people. They had a very different philosophy of government. They were an agrarian society, and they largely wanted to be left alone. I mean, the South was a very libertarian-esque type place. It really was. Um, and they were, uh, on balance, I think, probably much more religious than, than, than the North became. And this was within 80 years of the rupture with Great Britain. Um, that society did not last. The, the society that created the Bill of Rights and uh, that enshrined within the Constitution uh, very clear delineations between the rights of the people and the rights of the government, that didn't last very long. By 1865, it was dead. Why? Because of the pressures that pulled people apart. The evidence is, is, is clear and has been repeated around the world that such societies where the rights of men are respected and the rights of government are restricted don't last longer than 60 to 80 years, thereabouts. That's it. That's all you've got. And that's with a very strong Christian ethos. That's with a very powerful um, guiding hand of the Lord and the interventions of the Lord to, to make such nations stable and free. If you look at Switzerland, Switzerland is the, the lone outlier in this, okay? Switzerland basically said, we will observe studious neutrality and we will not intervene in other people's conflicts and we will have a republican system of government where each little region gets its own, you know, autonomous, basically autonomous government. That's lasted a really long time. That's lasted about 500 years. But even then, they have, uh, they have really made a mess of things in the last 50, 60 years. They have really sold their rights down the river. They have, um, they have allowed women, for instance, to come to power, uh, which is directly against the Christian ethos. They have allowed uh, their sacred right to bear arms to be infringed upon, uh, again, directly against the Christian ethos. And yes, it is a Christian ethos to allow people or to give men, free men, the right to protect themselves. That's in the Gospels. Go look it up. It's right there in the scene um, uh, right after the Garden of Gethsemane where uh, the, the servants of the Pharisees come along to arrest Jesus and his disciples. And uh, one of the disciples, I think it was Peter, pulls out a sword and cuts off uh, the ear. Notice the very oddly specific detail, the ear of uh, the servant of the Pharisees. I think it was Caiaphas' servant. Put aside the fact that that's a very, very oddly precise detail. The fact that Jesus said to his, his followers, for those of you who have no sword, sell your cloaks uh, and buy one, etc. That indicates that he fully supported the right to self-defense. Jesus was in favor of that. As for why libertarianism makes sense to Christians, well, that's easy. Um... Most Christians like the idea of just being left the hell alone to do as we wish, to, uh, 
to worship as we see fit to raise our families as we want. That's in the Bible too. It's in the Bible that basically uh, we are to support each other, we are to help each other, we are a community, a brotherhood, but we are not meant to rule over each other. That's not a good idea. And most extreme introverts, especially, like me, like Vox Day, like well, probably about 90% of the people who read my blog, uh, really like the idea of being left the hell alone. We don't want to be touched. We don't want to be bothered. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's fundamentally compatible with being Christian. Being a libertarian is not a bad thing, but it leads down some very funny and very dark and very silly paths. Uh, a lot of libertarians end up rejecting God because they don't want to be ruled over. And libertarianism tends to encourage that. That's not a good idea. Uh, the reality is man needs structure, and man needs God to rule over and be sovereign over him, and be his king. Uh, too many of us have allowed ourselves to forget that, and have run away from it. So, uh, I could keep going for a long time, and I don't particularly want to, because the point of these domain queries is to keep things short. But uh, those are my thoughts on why it is not possible to be for a Christian libertarian society to exist, uh, simply because being a Christian and being a libertarian are direct contradictions in terms. Even though they share a lot of compatibilities and a lot of similarities, uh, the direct requirement within Christianity for a king as sovereign, uh, for God as king, sovereign over his people, over the world, uh, and the, requ the direct requirement of Jesus Christ as the intercessor between us and the Lord makes it impossible for a true libertarian society which does not acknowledge kings and does not acknowledge central figures to exist and moreover the evidence from that we have from around the world of libertarian Christian kingdoms or societies or governmental forms uh, indicates that such a society would perish within a few generations because of the internal contradictions involved. So, those are my thoughts. Uh, please feel free to add to them in the comments, either on SoundCloud or at the blog. And I will see you uh, on Sunday's podcast, where we will discuss, well, pretty much whatever I feel like discussing, really. Uh, this is Didact, and this is Domain Query Christian Libertunianism.